this morning, um, I was spending a lot of time, uh, not this morning, but <laughs> for, for weeks leading up to this, I was, um, I was doing some, um, some reading into the word minister in the Bible, and I'm going to kind of dial into that a little bit, but I really loved um, what I feel like the Holy Spirit was highlighting to me because... Um, you know, what we do here is we are, um, we are ministers to the Lord in the way that we come before him. And I want to I wanna be really focused in on um, being awake and, and vibrant in, in that role and um, connected to what he's doing. And so... Yeah, so I want to talk about that. We we um, we often mention this that, according to the Bible, without vision, the people perish. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Um, I like the NLT too. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. <laughs> but whoever obeys the law is joyful. I mean, I, I think we've all. You've, we've all had these experiences ourselves where you see somebody and you're just like, they're all over the place or, you know, they need direction and maybe they're, maybe they're physically all over the place, um, you know, or maybe they're mentally all over the place, you know. I think we can, we can see a toddler, a perfect example of one that's starting back and forth, you know, to whatever might be the next year, the next toy or the next exciting thrill or whatever. And so um, we need... We need vision. We need focus. We need um, to constantly be directed and aligned to what the Lord is doing. I personally um, have a short attention span. I need reminding. And so um, I need reminding of why I'm doing something so that I keep my heart right in it. And the challenges in what we do week in, week out is that we can have high points, and we can have valleys, and we can have it, you know, where it's just really, um, you know, I think like, I think about music in this way, you know, it's like you can have the, the vast array of music where it's just like intense and, you know, full band, you know, um, heavy beat, and then you can have just this sweet, simple, soaking, waiting kind of a worship that we had this morning, and... Um, it's beautiful, and it's all about what God is doing, and he's inviting us to keep our eyes on him and to have vision just like the virgins need to be having the oil. This is certainly what we need. There's that relationship there. And so if you're involved here at the House of Prayer, we kind of really want to revisit the why of the what that we're doing. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. And as I said, I dug into this word, this Hebrew word called sharath. And it's, if you're curious to know the spelling, it's S-H-A-R-A-T-H. I'm assuming it's sharath, although there was contradictory information online. <laughs> so we're going to call it sharath. And because that is the way I like to say it. So this, this word, this um this is actually, if you care to look it up, this is a um, from the the Strong's. Let's see, where's my number? Where'd it go? H eight three three four. And this is it's it's often rendered um, as a servant, but it's the the word really most often is is minister. If we were to look at the um, the usage of it. It's, it's almost 100 times this, is where the, this word sharath is used. Um, 62 times is to minister. 17 is to serve. 8 is servant. 5, service. 3, servitor. And 1 times waited. But the vast majority of the context here, and if you go through the verses, you can see a whole bunch of them relate to priests and Levites ministering in the house of God. And so it's... Like I said, sometimes you're going to see it translated in your in your Bible servant, but it really is minister. And 
Uh, Shara is a much higher level than even the idea of servant being or slave. Um, it's a word that is, its first usage is actually used with in Genesis with Joseph and Potiphar. Joseph was the chief servant who loved and respected his master. It's a great place to start if you think about, I loved the fact that, like the first mention was of this relationship that Joseph had with Potiphar. So, and you can, um, you can kind of imagine the situation where Potiphar's like, man, how did I get so lucky? <laughs> how fortuitous for him because he ended up having this amazing servant that he was able to entrust with his whole household. I just kind of imagine what did that relationship with Potiphar and Joseph look like? And I'm thinking, all right, Joseph was probably like, he had a relationship with Yahweh, and he was, because he was doing his work as though he was working for the Lord. So he was probably looking at, I'm getting to know my master. What is he like? How does he like his household run? What are his preferences? What are the, what are his priorities? Um, what matters, you know, what is the day-to-day order of the operation? What does he like to see it like? You know, what's his management style? What's his personality style? You know, like all these different things. He's probably just really dialed in to who he was. And then what he did is he, he learned from the master and then became a, from, from his master and then became a master at all things that were under his care so that Potiphar was at the point that the only thing he had to think about was the food that he was eating talk about fortuitous, right? He was just like, whoa, how great is this? And so, and we know that it was short-lived because of the the situation with Potiphar's wife, and she accused Joseph, and he ended up in jail. But interestingly enough, the same dynamic that existed there in that household repeated itself in the prison that Joseph was in. So in spite of his circumstances, he just continued. He had a heart of faithfulness. He had a heart of a servant-hearted, but not just a servant-heartedness. But what he did is, in a way, like when you have um, somebody like, in a marriage is a great example. In a marriage, we serve our spouses, one, one another, right? We serve, we do things for each other. I do things for Lonnie. Lonnie does things for me. This is the way it works in your household or maybe with your kids. But when I think about it, it isn't just this execution of, all right, well, here's the meal, and somebody cleaned the toilets, and somebody changed the oil and got gas and all these things, but it really more, it's kind of like in this relationship, which we could kind of see this overlap of Joseph and Potiphar, it was kind of like anticipating, you know, what needs to happen next, and it's this posture of, I'm doing this, I'm operating out of not a duty and out of an obligation and out of, I want to be really good at my job so that I can get good, good, good marks. But it's more like you just do it because it's the character of who you are and your care for that person that you are working for. And that's the reason why this trans is more accurately translated minister than slave. A minister suggests like there is I've back and there, there's a relationship on both sides. It's not just a one-sided relationship. Would you say? Could we could we agree that that is what's happening? So ultimately, what's happening is that we here are actually sharaffing before the Lord. We're ministering, and um, I wanted to use that word specifically because of this fact that we're just to kind of get our, I want to get my brain engaged like I'm trying to get your brain engaged with the fact that it isn't, it isn't just the, it isn't just the doing of something, but it is the doing of something and then the response in that doing of that thing that has on the person that we are serving and that we're doing it for. So as we come here seven days a week in prayer and in worship, And we place our worship and our intercession on the altar here. We want to guard our hearts from dullness that can sometimes come with routines. Now, I'm I'm saying this because I'm thinking I I don't like I don't want to get dull. Like sometimes something will happen and you'll realize, 
oh my gosh, I just kind of was phoning that in. Or, well, wait a minute, I'm not coming with that same enthusiasm. Like when you have a lot on your schedule, sometimes the things that you used to enjoy all of a sudden don't feel the same. Let's just say you're a great example. You're really busy. You've got a lot going on, and somebody just drops into your house. And has anybody been like, oh, there couldn't be a worse time for this person to come by? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I am already so far behind, and I literally have to leave. And, you know, and so you, you find yourself in this situation like something that normally would be like enjoyable and pleasurable, but the timing isn't right in the thing, right? And so... When I think about coming here, um, I don't want to be in a place of like, oh, yeah, I've got that too. I've got to work on. I've got to squeeze that in between all the other things, right? And we just, or this is just my routine, you know what I mean? And so it's just, I feel like it's good. I just, I want to keep coming back and checking my heart in it. And so when we have this exchange in prayer and worship, we're bringing our, our forgiven and our intimate, because we want to be intimate hearts of worship to the Father. And when we do this, this is engendering in the Master himself an incredibly deeply satisfying joy. And I think that we, we've all experienced this, and so we know this because what's happening is that we're, we're coming here with, with our desire and we're, we're lifting the things up to him. And, um, and sometimes just not even feeling at all, but just wanting to be faithful in it. And then our, our heart and, and this incense that's going up through our instrument or through our prayer and intercession is getting a response back from God. And we feel that spirit happening, right? And so um, sharathing is not just a one-way thing, but it's this back-and-forth thing. As we minister to the Lord there's a joy and a satisfaction that comes from the master in our response to that. I kind of not going to get into it, but it just make me, makes me feel like the fullness of that happening in the, in the fifth and sixth seals when those bowls that have been filled up and those martyrs, like how long, how long until you, um, you, you know, you respond to what's going on in the earth with all of these martyrs, you know, you're, I'm losing the word right now. And the Lord's response is clear in that exchange, that his heart is moved. So in our doing part, which is our sharapping, our ministering, we don't want to miss the experience of our master as we do it. And this is crucial to seeing him as our bridegroom God. Um, that, that's why that mural paradigm is like a, the perfect one. We know in Revelation and Ephesians, the church was corrected for losing their first love. And so I think it's always something that we want to be on guard on. Like, I want to be on guard. I don't want to lose my first love. Um, you know, they were, they were busy doing things. And the doing was not the issue. I mean, sometimes you, the busyness can be like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not working in a soup kitchen five days a week. But the busyness for us sometimes can just be the normal commitments that we have. Because the problem isn't in the busyness. The doing is not the issue, but it's the loss of the first love devotion in the doing. What's my heart like in the doing of the thing? Um, you know, it, I mean, it takes a miracle. Like when you've been praying for this, for a similar thing, like I think about the kinds praying for the topic of Israel for um, like seven years now. We've been praying for the Sermon on the Mount, you know, persecuted church, many other things for these number of years to stay fresh in that, to keep God's heart in it, to keep vision and, um, you know, excitement about, what God is going to do in response to those things takes the Lord, right? So night and day worship and intercession is his invitation to keep us entering in. And as I continue to do this along with you, I want to remind myself of what God is doing. And so as we approach him this week in a sacrificial way, week in, week out, when we feel tired, when we're struggling, um, when it's feeling ordinary, if it's feeling routine, God is still moving mightily in our families, in ourselves, in our communities, and in the unseen, in the heavens, in the spiritual realm. So I'm going to just highlight a couple things that I feel like the Lord was, was highlighting to me to talk about, about what's happening here um, in this place. And one of the things that 
we know really well, so I'm not going to take a lot of time talking about it, is just the fact that this is a place of confession and a place of forgiveness. Psalms 24, 3 says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. And I think that we can see that David modeled this for us. Um, when I think about clean hands and a pure heart, I think about the fact that um, I got to just remind myself that I got to keep getting those clean hands and I got to keep getting that clean heart. If I'm noticing that I'm feeling like just dull in something, it's I know that it's usually um, the clean hands part is sin that is hindering that intercession, that connection with God. And so I'm just asking him, all right, Lord, what is it? Search me out. Like, where? what is my issue? Um, am I being faithful, faithless in something? Am I... Um, Am I not forgiving something? Am I angry about something? Am I getting um, impatient? Um, Am I not trusting you? Like, there's all of these different things because they're not him, and so they hinder that connection. And so um, we can see David as the model in Psalm 51. He says, Be gracious to me according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions and cleanse me from my sin. When God confronted him, he didn't harden his heart. I feel like we do this so well. It's like we don't, you know, I, I remember years ago somebody said like, well, confessing is burdensome. It, it, you know, it's just really like a relief. You know, David was like, you know, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And, you know, basically I was hard pressed. You know, my bones were crushed and I was frustrated, and I just had no direction. And he's like, and then I realized, like, it was my sin. I needed to confess it. And so we get that instant forgiveness, which gives us the um, those clean hands to ascend his holy hill. He didn't want to be separated from God. And so this is obviously something that we learn as we're maturing, is that I continue to learn. I just want to recognize it right away so that I can remove the separation because I I want to be connected. So um, just like he was eager and confident for God's mercy, this is his invitation to us. And like I said, this was a prerequisite to ascending the hill of the Lord. We are coming here every week. We're ascending the hill of the Lord. When I, when I think about David, when he said, um, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? It's not that they couldn't do it. It was the same invitation, like they could go to the house of the Lord, just like we can come to the house of the Lord. But the question is, you know, were we choosing to do that? Did we want to do that? Were we, were we saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to, because um, it takes a lot of humility to do this. I mean, the, the level of faithfulness for, for us as a body to continue to come, because, you know, I think we've all seen what happens is if you're coming into this place, and you spend a lot of time here, but you don't have clean and a clean hand and a pure heart. What happens to you? Like the Holy Spirit really convicts you about it, or it becomes too uncomfortable, right? It becomes uncomfortable. You're like, I don't want to go there, and then you know it becomes like a checkout thing, right? Psalms twenty four three through six. I'm going to read it in NLT since we often hear it in New King James. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may ask you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. I'm sorry. Such people may seek you (laughs) and worship you in his presence, O God of Jacob. So, we know that one of those hindrances is just our own heart. So I can't be useful as a servant before the Lord if my hands are not clean. But I also know that I need a pure heart. And when I think about pure heart, this makes me think of desire. That's what I think of. And so I see, um, I see busyness as being one of the big challenges to intimacy. This is something that like, I have to really watch in myself because... It's not that the busyness is the problem, but it's, I think, more so about wrong priorities or busyness doing the things that maybe God is not saying to do. And um, 
like I've had those times where I thought something was so important that I need to do, and I was doing, 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 doing that thing, and then it just felt, I felt emptier and emptier, and I was getting further away from God and feeling disconnected, more disconnected, more disconnected, but I was sure that's the thing that I was supposed to do, you know, and then it was like, ah, oh, it was a wrong focus, and then I just wanted to just like, I was like that wasted time, and I just want to get back to him. Maybe I'm the only one who has that, but Psalms 27, 8 this is his invitation. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. That's what I want my heart to respond. <laughs> I want to hear him say, come talk to me. And I'm like, I don't want to be like, okay, just a minute, Lord, I just got to do this one more thing. <laughs> and then one more thing leads to another one more thing and another one more thing and another one more thing, right? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, Lord, I just want to stop everything. You know, it's just my coming to him as his faithfulness, it's like me coming to him, it's like heaven rejoices when we come and we're like, this stuff can wait. It's going to be okay. This stuff is going to get done. It's going to be all right. The world is not going to fall apart, but I have to recenter on him because if I don't get centered on him, then I'm not even going to have the right priorities in whatever I'm doing. So, Lord, we want our heart to say, your face, Lord, we will seek. Lord, we want to respond to your invitation. You know, there's a lot of Christianity that talks about confess your sins, get saved. Um, that's great, but the point of all that is that he wanted intimacy with us, staying in his presence forever. And this is why I think that bridal paradigm is so perfect because like, we fall into this thing of like, I'm doing, I'm doing, I want to do good things for the Lord so that I can be accepted. And it's so subtle. <laughs> but I, I don't, maybe it only happens to me, but I slip out of this bridal paradigm into a serving paradigm instead of realizing that that's my bridegroom. And instead of me thinking, I think this is what you want, God. Like, what do you want, God? What do you want today? What do you want in this moment? What do you want in this season? What do you want out of this instrument? What do you want out of this song? What do you want out of that prayer? What are the questions that I need to ask? So, yeah. So dullness and distractions are one of these biggest hindrances to ascending the holy hill of the Lord. Um, I am guessing that David probably had days where he had responsibilities. He had things that he had to attend to. He had to do his kingly kingdom stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, but we can tell from the Psalms that he wanted more. This is where I know it's different. Like for me, like sometimes there are these busyness, but for me, I've, it's like there's the times where I'm disconnected. I'm like, okay, I'm going to knock that next thing on my list. And then there's other times where I'm just like, Lord, I know I'm doing this thing, but I just want to be with you all right, we've got these few minutes in the car together. You know, what do you want to talk to me about? You know, and these are these sweet times where he highlights somebody that maybe he wants me to pray for or somebody wants me to reach out to or he starts to give me a piece of something that I've been praying about. And so, yeah, it's so good. He's wrestling it out. But it has to be something that I choose and probably just like David, I don't choose it every day, but I want to. You can tell that in the Psalms that this is what David wanted to do. He wanted to choose it. Dwelling and intimacy with God were um, a challenge probably in David's day, and they are still a challenge today. So it's, it's something we're all wrestling for and asking him to help us with. This wrestle, if we're having this wrestle, this is a good sign. Because if, if what I'm talking about here is a reality for you, we're like, I, 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 oh, Lord, I want, to be, I want to be with you more. Or I had this window, but I did this. Or, or um, I, you know, all these things I just talked about. The thing is, is that if you're having this wrestle, this is a good sign. Because this is the territory of the relationship between a bride and a bridegroom. You know, um, some of us might relate with this. Like, I think about the fact that We've got one left in the house, one already gone. And then we'd have these situations sometimes where before when you had your kids around all the time, you didn't have to be super intentional. You're like, well, I'll see you when we see you, and we're gonna, I'm going to see you in the car, and I'm driving you here, and then I'm going to go to your, your game, and then you know we're going to talk about homework and whatever, right? <laughs> um, 
but when they get to this stage and they're going and, you know, there's some more independence, it's kind of like I, I've had multiple times where what happens is that my errands con- conflicted with the exact opposite. Let's say that Landon was home while I was gone and then um, the opposite happened. And then I was like, oh, you know, I, could I have scheduled that differently? Could I have scheduled this thing I needed to do to do that while he was gone so that when he was home that I could be there with him? and spend time with him. And we feel the same way about our spouses, right? Like, oh man, why did I do this? I got stuck out running this errand or, or talking to this neighbor or whatever, and I only had that little window with my spouse, and I missed it because I got detoured on this thing, whatever this thing was, or this thing that I thought I had to do. And this is, if we're having this wrestle with God, this is so good. This is so good because it's just like, we don't want to miss those times of connection, And very often what happens is the thing that we thought we had to deal with, he's like, it didn't matter, or I'm going to deal with it, or don't sweat it. Um, Don't major in the minors, right? Um, And so this is something I have to keep being reminded of on a regular basis. My heart has heard you say, come talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Oh, Lord, let that be our heart. Lord, we're coming. So I was going to also add in this, like, that maybe I'm the one of these only people that is distractible, but I, it, it, you know, I find that um, sometimes I'm only one click away from an hour of distraction. <laughs> you know? and, um, I, uh, and I sometimes can, like, hear that whisper, spirit whispers me, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I, I have real empathy praying for, you know, my kids is like, it's like, I'm trying to have a conversation with him and he's on the game, you know? And I was like, I, he's like, yep, yep. And I was like, did you hear what I said? Yep, sure, whatever, you know? We just had a conversation last night where Landon came home and he said, did you, where's my, where's that, my, my Chick-fil-A wrap, the half of my wrap? And I was like, I ate it. He's like, why did you eat it? I said, you told me you didn't want it and then I could have it. He said, I never told you that. I said, yes, you did. <laughs> and he said, I was like, I think you're doing what you're doing now when we had that conversation. And I think he, he's like, I was probably just trying to get you to leave me alone, get rid of you. Yeah, go ahead, have it. Anything, just have it. So I'm like, and I did. <laughs> and so <laughs> we, are, we are just like certain things. And so it's like sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, whatever that thing is for you, don't do it. And I'm just like, but I'm just going to real quick... I really think YouTube shorts are from the pit of hell because uh, <laughs> like sometimes I'm going on for a purpose. I'm having a problem with my computer and I'm pulling up a YouTube video about how to deal with that file that I accidentally deleted, which happened to me in preparation here. <laughs> Started over again. I was like, what happens when control X doesn't reappear with a control V? And I'm like, so I'm looking for something. But the shorts come right up there, and I'm like, oh, look at that tiger and that elephant. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a short. It'll only be short. I can watch it real quick. Yeah. 30 minutes later. Not every day, but sometimes. Like, and sometimes I'm allowing myself that little, that little indulgence. But, you know, the struggle is real. <laughs> clickbait, they call it. I think that's what they call it, clickbait. Is that right? Something like that. Um, yeah, I'm just a naive fish there. So, but I'm not naive because I should know. And I need the Lord to help me, right? So it might be something else for you. Maybe you cannot completely relate with that at all. But um, ask yourself. Because maybe it isn't overtly evil, but it is just something that just pulls away from the more that we can have. This is what I'm thinking. Like, I'm having fellowship with the Lord, but I'm like, I want more. And he was like then you, it's, a, it's a choice. I need to, you know, I've got to let the things go here and there, right? So, um, Lord, we pray that you would protect us from distraction. Would you protect us from wrong focus? And would you show us where it is? Because we know that you can help us. In Jesus' name. Um, I believe that when I think about who can ascend the hill of the Lord, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, I, when I think about pure heart, one of the things that I connect with is desire. I just think 
pure heart, a desire, a desire that's longing to be. Pure heartedness wants to be with the bridegroom. And so I got to remind myself, there's not a limited supply of desire. I just have to keep asking for it. And so David's intercessory worship, this beautiful place where, uh, you know, two-thirds of the Psalms were born out of, were coming from his clean hands and a pure heart, where he's constantly cleaning his hands, because it wasn't a one-and-done thing, as we know, with the life of David. And it was a desire thing that he had to keep coming for that pure heart. So, just a couple things I wanted to, to highlight was that um, like our one of the good parts about being here in the prayer room is that it's um, it's a filter. It's like a thermometer. As we're here, I'm just what's happening is my my heart is getting sorted out. If I will allow my heart to get sorted out when I'm here, and so it's just a reminder that ascending the hill of the Lord. That journey, this whole dynamic here of shrapping, ministering before the Lord, where I'm giving Him and He's responding back, is um, is sifting my heart. It's inviting me into what I need more of and what I need less of. And we just kind of talked about that. Another thing I just wanted to, I liked reminding myself of. Is that because I think one of the biggest enemies that the 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 you like nobody none of us as good Christianese people would say well God God doesn't hear my prayer um, of course we wouldn't say that because we've seen Him answer thousands of prayers but even in spite of all of the answered prayers that I've heard Him answer I still have doubt I still have situations every day where I'm like my reaction is a result of well I'm not trusting Him in the thing and so um, I'm not perfected in this area. And I want to be reminded that what's happening here, that's what's being lifted here, is actually not only changing me and my heart, but as he changes me and my heart, as he's establishing his kingdom on the inside of me, that he's actually changing the geography around me. Just like David appointed musicians and singers, and he commanded them to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because that's what he did. He's like, not only are we going to appoint Asaph and Heman Jedithan, but also going to say, by the way, you specifically, you know, this is our plan to keep this place protected, to keep this place supplied. You need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so he knew that was his strategy for his kingdom. It affected the prayers that were offered there in the tabernacle were affecting the geography. It wasn't like the tent, David's tent, was like this fortress that was going to keep them safe. But what was keeping them safe was the fact that they were letting the Lord build a house. Um, that unless the Lord builds the city, the laborers build in vain. Um, that it's not going to be protected unless the Lord was there. Psalms 132 gives some insight into this. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. He's desired it. And what we see later on through the prophets is that not just Jerusalem, but like throughout the earth. And so we're praying for the geography there, and we're praying for the geography here. David cares about God's desires. You can see it also in Psalm 122, 4 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. He cared about what God cared about. And so this is why we pray for Israel and her peace, which is not just about her safety, but more importantly, it's about this peace slash reconciliation in her relationship with her bridegroom, God. And um, the tabernacle, the house of prayer, that was the, that was the solution in Jerusalem, and it is the solution here. Um, you know, it's... Uh, 
this house of prayer is a responsibility and it's an opportunity. And it's for us to look at our area around us and say, Lord, how do you want it to look? I mean, this is, this is not the place where he's going to return and he's going to touch down when he comes to the earth, but he cares about these places in the earth that are going to be consecrated to him. He, play, he cares about locations where there's going to be the faithful remnant. And so it's appropriate for us to pray for the salvation and the protection and the provision and the sifting. The same thing when we talk about paying for the peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem does not mean that there will never be war there because God has showed historically that what he's done is he's sifted. His, he's, he's pressed in on them. He never abandoned them, but he did, he did discipline them. And this could be the case for our area here. We want to be sifted and praying for our region to be sifted into the kingdom, not out of the kingdom. And so we are praying that this would be a place of, this would be a whole region, a whole geography, a city full of night and day prayer happening with worshipers that are not just worshiping um, and not just praying, but they're doing the David Tabernacle model of this where they are, um, intertwined with one another, and they're and they're um, released prophetically. What's happening in heaven? So the kingdom of God is coming from the inside, and it's reflected throughout our hearts as we are. It's it's reflected through our city because we are we're light bearers of that. So just like there's evil here in their city, in this city, there was evil in the city during the, in Jerusalem during the time of David. Um, I like Psalms 55, 9 through 11, gives us a glimpse. He says, confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders. But the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. Like, that's NLT, you know, I, I'm going to read this part again. Like, its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. So he could see it. Um, it's interesting because evil operates like intercessory prayer. Did you notice that? It's day and night. Um, day and night on the wall. So there's, it, it's like the intercessors that are the spiritual watchmen. Let me read it to you in a little bit further down in Psalms 55, NLT. But I will call on God and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Though many still oppose me, God who has ruled forever will hear me and humble me. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God at all times. David would call out. And I think the suggestion is like evening, morning, and at noon will I cry aloud, and he'll hear my cry. The thing is, is that like evening might presume like, okay, this is after sun's gone down, but not necessarily. Like there's other places it's talking about implies like through the night. So you can kind of sense from verse 19, God um, is the just judge and that he would hear. That it's like he's hearing our case and He's going to deliver the righteous petitioner that's coming before him, that one that is ascending with clean hands and a pure heart. Um, I like to think of it as like God's courts are open in heaven 24-7. And so those petitioners are ascending the hill of the Lord. Um, I remember reading in a book that, you know, when you think about the Muslim community, like the strongholds that are built up over these nations, because three times a day, you know, they're coming and worshiping a false god and like the the prayers like that 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 is creating a you know there's a, there's a spiritual force that's built there and we already know from other verses in the bible that you know the accusation is being made against the believers 24/7 and so 
I, you know, evil is going to show up for sure. And I want to remember, like, I want to show up. I want to show up 24-7. If the Lord has given me a prayer and it just feels random about a thing, or I just I want to be on call, Lord, saying, Paula, I want you to pray about this right now. I want to be ready to pray about it because I don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm, but we're all on duty. You're all on duty. You're all on call 24 hours a day, right? <laughs> you good with that? So basically, this was David's counter strategy by the revelation of the Lord was, I see something going on in the spirit realm 24-7, and we're going to have our 24-7. That's why we continue to contend for 24-7 worship in our city. And I forget to pray that, but it's an important one to continue to come back. Lord, we just pray that we would not grow tired of contending, that prayer would be lifted up from our geography 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with hearts that want to do this in spirit and truth. David was crying out um, that the city would be blessed, that there would be provision, and that prayer guarded the city gates. Psalms 24-7 says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the king of glory enter. Those intercessors were welcoming friends and denying enemies in what they were doing. When I think about us in our city, about um, this is why this is really important, what is happening with night watches, as there's prayer going on for Israel. So we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We're praying for Israel in all ways that the Spirit leads. But we're praying for um, the, the church. And that's like, these are, the, these are the two main things, right? We're praying for that geography and we're praying for this geography when we're here. The prayers that come up here, when I see things happening in the news, um, I'm thinking... This is why that prayer needs to keep going up constantly about, you know, what's happening in, you know, in our, our city in terms of like, when I think about um, crime and when I think about um, selfishness, when I think, I think about often this time of year a lot when I see the things people put up in their yards, I'm like, ooh, what is going on in the hearts of people? <laughs> Right, we just experienced this. We're just like, holy cow, why would you want some ghoulish, wicked-sounding thing, and then you're blasting it so that your whole neighborhood block has to listen to it? It's just like, that's so dark. And I'm reminded, like, instead of, why get downcast on my soul, put my hope in God? I, I have a solution. I can pray. I can take the word of God and the promises that he's placed there and the things that he said come into agreement with me with what my word says and, and declare my truth to yourself and let the Holy Spirit lead you in agreeing with me in the things that I've said, my statutes, my testimony. Psalms 32.7, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I love that song. I mean, the psalm, yes, both. Um, I'm like, he's my hiding place. He preserves me from trouble. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. Boy, does that not just, like, when you think about what we do, songs of deliverance, he sings over us. You think about our songs are going up to him. You can just imagine, like, his songs are coming towards us. For David, what that meant is that his conspiracies didn't disappear, the evil in the city didn't disappear, but their impact on David was greatly reduced because of the time that he spent in God's presence. When we fear the Lord and we dwell in his presence, that full measure of his refuge, we can feel that it's available to us. So, you know, and when we, you read the Psalms, you know so many times people, when you're really, you're feeling frustrated and you're through terrible situations that somebody's going through, they read the Psalms because they find encouragement from David because there was times that he was struggling emotionally, yet he discovered that he could battle back. Like depression was something that he experienced. As he began writing Psalms 22, you can see that he felt utterly, utterly forsaken. Um, 
And this was like, this was probably like the night where he felt like there was no relief. And then the next time the actual event triggered depression and David was just processing that out in his mind. He was, you know, at an exceedingly low point in his life. And he was feeling great reproach. And you can imagine, like, his self-esteem is probably completely crashed. And he was feeling like there's sneers of other people that are, you know, talking about him, and it's impacting him physically. He described that he was ill and his bones were out of joint, but he cried out to God, and God heard his cry. You know, when he began to battle his way back. So he would declare the name of God in the assembly. He would pay his vows before the Lord who, who feared. He would pay his vows before those who feared the Lord. And he would remind his heart to praise him. So it's like these praise and declarations that overwhelmed his heart. It's the practice of coming back before the Lord that jump-started his heart. And it was like in the tent, the tabernacle, that he was feeling his refuge. Psalms 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Just having your soul and your spirit that are full makes the trials more bearable. And knowing that God is not distant, but he's there, he's dwelling, he's present. So a couple of the other things that, um, that happen here is, you know, we've talked about the fact that this is, this is a place that, like, purifies us, our tests us. This is a place that's our refuge. Just like for David, this is a place that heals, that we're getting healing. This is a place, this is also a place where there's fellowship that's happening. This is the place where we are affecting our geography. I don't know if I, I said that one. This is a place where we keep coming to the Lord. And this is a place that he continues to change us. He continues to fill us with hope. It's our spiritual defense. It's our, it's our place of personal petition, things that are going on in our own life. It's our place of refuge. It's our place that he's revealing things to us prophetically. It's our place of revelation. Um, this is the place where we're filled up. This is the place where our lamps are getting filled up. This is the place where we wait for the bridegroom and this is the place where we shrath him, where we minister to him, where, we, where we're faithful. We, you know, as I wrap up, I just want to get you to think for a second again just about Joseph. Think about his faithfulness in these roles that he was at, and he was um, looking to find out what was, what was the, in each of these situations. How did he serve that master, the master of the prison and the potiphar, and uh, it probably looked different in those different situations and in different, different seasons, but there was this conversation that was going on, and he was wholly given himself to that role. And then that was the first place the Bible mentioned, and it continues to use that word as he goes into the whole priesthood. It was also used of Joshua in ministering to um, Moses. And so this really helped me to think about what is my heart? What is my heart in ministering? I'm a minister before the Lord. We're priests before the Lord in what we do here. It's, it's an incredible calling. It's an incredible thing that feels so insignificant and weak at moments. But it is totally transforming us. It's transforming our families. It's transforming the city. It's transforming things in the spiritual realm. It's transforming things half across the earth in Jerusalem. It's, it's emanating out of here. I just, I, I often like to go back to that Justin Peters or whatever, that vision where I just, I have this picture in my mind and I must have, I don't know if the Lord gave it to me or I saw some kind of a video of it, but it was like, there's darkness all over the earth, but then there's these, if you've seen those things where there's these big, um, massive, um, what do you call them, those lamps that the, the light is going up? It's, it's like a beam. Spotlight, thank you. <laughs> I picture these spotlights, but if you're looking down at a bunch of darkness and you see these spotlights or you picture a flashlight that's going in the darkness, it's like the only one that can refresh our, our understanding of that this is what we are, empowered by him, the light of him flowing through us, is, 
is him. Continuing to come to him and let, because otherwise we can, like the enemy is warring against us in just little ways. Like none of this you don't know. You've all heard this before. But the difference is, is that we just lose sight sometimes and we need a refreshing of, oh yeah, there it is. There is the path and there is the place that I'm headed and there is a finished line and there is this, I'm running and I'm not running in vain. And, you know, I want to run in a way that I'm going to get the prize. And so it's good to come back and say, those that shirat, those that minister to the Lord, you know, he's undone when we come to him and give him everything that we have. That's what that is, that desire, that full expression through our prayer and our worship and our music. And... um it gives me a fresh desire to want to do it well. And I hope that does for you as well. Lord Jesus, we just come to you and um, we thank you for the example that you've given in your word of David. You know, we thank you before that, just this beautiful first mention of Joseph and him in a different capacity before your tabernacle was even established that you showed that. We thank you for your example of Moses where he went off into his tent to spend time with you and that he was illuminated um, with the brightness of your presence. That he, he wanted to, he, you know, he left that, um, he went off outside of the camp because he wanted to be with you because you weren't in the camp. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this model that you want to establish, this, this fallen tent that you want to restore in these last days, this this key of what you want to do to change the earth, Lord. And we want to stay engaged with um, being full of vision and confidence and faith about what it means to your heart. Lord, I pray for you to reawaken for us um, our own desire to, to sharath you well, to minister you well, but, but also to see what your how this moves your heart. What vision for how what we're doing here moves your heart, Lord Jesus. And we want to move, remove anything that hinders, Lord. If there's anything that's hindering this clean hands and pure heart within me, within us, Lord, we pray that you would reveal it so that we could ascend the hill in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.